0: Good morning everybody. Good to see you. We are beginning a brand new series of lessons this morning and it is based on the tradition of this time of year of expectation and preparation um, that, that is happening. We anticipate this great celebration of, of Christ coming to the earth in Bethlehem And even though we don't know, we don't know when that day was, we don't even know what month it was in, we do know this, that it was a joyous celebration. It was something that had been anticipated for hundreds of thousands of years. This is also the time where we think about when Christ came to to be a part of our own lives, where he he has come to us, come into us through uh, through our faith and through uh, through baptism. That that Christ, we put Him on. And and you may be here this morning, and you say, "Well, I, I don't know anything about that." And this may be the season for you. This may be what you've been waiting for. And we hope that it is. But it's also a season to remind us that we are still waiting we are still waiting and expectation for the second coming of jesus to the earth today we're going to begin and we've got four weeks that we're going to be looking at all of this and so the first week we're dealing with the hope of his coming You know, our ultimate source of Christian hope is the fact that what we see around us every day, what we see on the news and on social media and everything, this is not as good as it gets. Amen? Aren't you glad to know that? This is not as good as it gets. And you know, we wonder about like Mary and Joseph and, and, you know, what was it like with the expectation of, of what they were doing? No doubt fear was a part of things. I mean, you can just imagine Mary the first time the angel shows up and says, Hey, you're with child. The Spirit of God has placed this child within you, and it is the Savior of the world. Imagine the fear that Joseph had when he learns that this woman he thought was a virgin, still was, by the way, but all of a sudden he finds out she's pregnant until he finally gets uh, an angelic meeting. And you just wonder, you know, did Mary and Joseph, did they did they sit together and talk about the one that that was coming into the world? Did they in those last couple of months, as Mary is no doubt, showing and, and no doubt it's coming soon? And do you think that they were just how excited they must have been, just that these prophecies from thousands of years suddenly is going to be fulfilled? that God has come, and he's going to walk in our world. Of course, he's going to crawl first. You know, I, I see, you know, we've seen pe- people in this church who, you know, young adults who became parents for the first time. We got, we got this couple back here, Trevor and Mackenzie. They're, they're expecting in February. And Mackenzie works in the office, and we get to hear about all these preparations and the excitement. You don't know this, but Trevor gets excited I didn't know that until I went and, and, he, and he shot this gun and this blue powder came out and he found out he's having a boy. I've never seen Trevor act like this. I should have gotten the video, Mackenzie, and put it up here. But it's like, can, but can you imagine, instead of a blue cloud, that you learn that what you're having is the Son of God? The expectation, the preparation, That must have taken place. And today we long for the return of our king. It is the season of hope, folks. But hope is not something that we manufacture. It's not something that's going to come about because of the power of positive thinking. Paul says it was a mystery that was hidden for years and finally has come. True hope is based on the promises of God. We will see Him. We will be like Him. We will be with Him forever. We celebrate that Jesus came. The Gospels of Matthew and Luke, they gave quite a bit of, of, of placement in their Gospels just to tell us about what happened on that day. But the application for us today is that we would welcome Jesus into our lives that we would welcome him into our world every moment every day every decision that we make is lived in the reality that god loves us so much that he would leave the splendor of heaven and he would put on this human form of which he has created and walk with these humans and then ultimately die for them It all begins with our need. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you may have heard of him before. Fascinating. He was a German preacher during the time of World War II. He was also killed at the end, uh, towards the end of World War II, um, because he was part of a plot that tried to assassinate Hitler and failed. He understood evil in the world. It was living right there in his country who was living around him every day, he realized the need for Jesus. And he said this time of year, he says, the celebration of Advent is possibly only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, who look forward to something greater to come, that's hope. For these, it is enough to wait in humble fear until the Holy One himself comes down to us, God in the manger, God comes, the Lord Jesus comes, Christmas comes, Christians rejoice. It's need. We need God because we are poor and we are imperfect. We need Jesus because we need to be rescued and forgiven. Every day we hear the word hope being used, don't we? I'm sure some of you are sitting there and you were thinking to yourself, I hope this sermon doesn't go very long, <laughs> All right? Um, or, you know, I, I hope I get a lot for Christmas. I hope it doesn't rain this week like it's been raining the last, last week. And we use this word hope to mean a lot of things, but when the Bible uses it, it speaks of a promise. It carries a much different meaning. It refers to what God will do. It is an assurance of something good that will come, but has not yet come. That's the way scriptures use hope. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 9. The book of Isaiah is just such a fascinating book. I know it's one of those, like, oh, wait a second, that's in the Old Testament, isn't it? And Man, that's long. That's got, like, over 50 chapters, and, and what's all going on? There's all this language in there. It is a beautiful book of poetry, filled with poetry, of Hebrew poetry, and, it, it, and in there, it deals with warning, and it deals with hope. I mean, it is like this, this bipolar book, <laughs> You know, it starts off with all these terrible things and then it just clicks into some other things of hope. In a nutshell, Israel has sinned against God in in the worst and grossest kind of way. They deserve to be wiped out, never to be heard of again. And we know that justice is coming down from God with the Assyrians first and then the Babylonians, but it is mixed with this message of future restoration. A new king that will finally come to the earth and bring peace. In fact, in chapter 9, verse 2, listen. He says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them his light has shone. Oh, there's this this beautiful correlation of light and darkness. The Gospel of John does this over and over. But then notice verse 9. I mean, verse six, he says, for to us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called. Listen to these titles, folks. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Of the increase of the government and of the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is going to be a king like no other. He is coming from the line of David. David, who was that? That was the greatest king of Israel those of you who know your history a little bit here and he says he's going to be even greater look at these titles he's telling us that one who's coming is the embodiment he is the presence of God himself and then we come over to chapter 11 in verse 1 and we just read this this little bit of poetry that just it's like what does this mean there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Some of you are probably thinking, that's why I don't read this book very often. What is that about? Folks, this is so powerful. First of all, who's Jesse? Jesse is the father of David, the great king. And he says, it's from this lineage. He's going to come from this stump. And he's, it, the, 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 the great one is going to come. A new David is going to grow out. In verses 2 and 3, he goes on and tells us he will will come in the sevenfold power of the Spirit of God. He tells us that he's going to bring a peace like like never before, as you read verses 6 through 9. He says even the wild animals, they will be at peace when this kingdom is finally in its perfected realization. And then he says in verse 10, In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him, shall the nations inquire, that's us, and his resting place shall be glorious. It was the hope, this hope that the people desperately needed to hear because they felt hopeless. These people were in despair. Modern sci- scientific research tells us, behavioral uh, analysis uh, research, it, it has proven that when people get to the point they have no hope, they begin to die physically. You can die because you have no hope. Did you know that? Where there is no hope, there is no life. 3,000 citizens of Jerusalem, including the king, the queen mother, leaders, leaders, Of of Jerusalem, they are carted off as captives of Babylon. For the next 11 years, there is absolute chaos in that land until finally the Babylonians come in and they absolutely sack and burn Jerusalem. They burn its capital. They burn the temple of God. Isaiah searched. He searched for a sign of the hope that had been given to him to proclaim and prophesy to the people. And even though he never saw that hope, and even though he continued to look for it, he still proclaimed that the hope will come, even to his dying breath. One day, he says, you will be restored. One day will be the end of wars. One day was this age of perfection when it will begin. And he told the people don't give up hope. But you wonder, did he ever just cross his mind that maybe it would never come? You know, many people live in hopelessness. We live in a world, folks, we walk by people every day that feel hopeless and in despair. I would not be surprised if we have people in this room right now and that's how they feel. And you're looking for some sign of hope. But no angel has shown up at your door to give you a promise of a miracle. There's been no star in the night that's leading you to a place of promise. But this is the season of expectation. This is the time for your hope to be restored once again as we think and meditate on these things. Don't give up hope. That's what this is all about. Because there's more than what you can see. When attack, what attacks your hope? You know, for people it's different, you know. Someone may say, it's my health. Some people may say, it's my family issues. Some people may say, it's my financial situation. Some folks look and say, it's the world, and, and, and just, it just seems like it's just continuing to go downhill. It just seems like we just are so divided as a people, and we're just at each other's throats, and it just seems like everything's hopeless. And I'm here to tell you that even as preachers, we... We can feel that sense of hopelessness. Over the last couple of years, I've watched it. I've seen it. Everything's been going on with, with COVID and around the world and, and churches around the globe. Most of them have half of what they used to have. They have less contribution than they've ever had. I know of churches that have closed their doors for good because they have not been able to recover. I know of preachers who who have been let go personally and and some indirectly who have been let go because there was no more support. And and I've never seen so many preachers at at this stage that I can remember that are just getting out of ministry altogether because they're like, in this time... It seems of desperation. It just seems like people that we thought loved us just gave up on us, just left us to ourselves. And they're just people feel like the world's no different. Having Bible studies is different these days. It's hard to get someone to sit down with you and talk to you about Jesus. And when you do, very few want to make a commitment to give their life to Jesus. They want just a piece of it as a part of everything else that they do in their lives. But here's the thing, hope, hope doesn't take away our problems. Hope is not going to make us instantly feel better. Divine hope labors and it moves and it strives within us It comes as a gift from God and it enters our hopeless places and it weaves together the broken pieces of our lives in new and unexpected ways. And I'm seeing that in some churches and I'm seeing that in some Christians and and ministers. Hope sees what we cannot readily see. It refuses, though, to give up Isaiah never saw the hope that he proclaimed. Never. Didn't see it. But he went to his grave proclaiming it. He knew the anguish of unfilled expectations. He knew what it felt like to live in a time of despair in the world. He knew, like so many know, maybe in this church and out in our world, the agony of waiting In hopelessness. And so he gives us a picture of a stump. A stump. A lifeless stump. But Isaiah can't let it go, can he? In fact, he uses a Hebrew word here for the stump of Jesse to describe. Not to describe a dead and rotting tree stump, but rather one that survives after it has been cut down. A stump that has been injured by an axe, but it is not utterly destroyed. The roots underneath are not lifeless, even though what you see on the surface seems that it's over. The stump looks dry and it looks barren above the ground, but it holds something secret under the ground. It only seems dead. In due time, the stump would sprout. And out of the gray, there's suddenly a color of green. And suddenly, there's leaves. it grew out of something that everyone thought was dead. My message to all of us here today is that we may be injured, but we are not utterly destroyed. The life that seems barren and without hope, it may hold an underground miracle that you just can't see. I declare in this season of expectation a promise of a renewed sense of life in our despairing times. Isaiah had a clear vision of this, this miraculous stump that suddenly life will grow out of, that will bring the, finally the Messiah. It only took 700 years <laughs> before we read Luke 2, this says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For to you is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Praise God for the one who is born out of the stump. In him we have a sign, we have a hope that goes beyond the struggles and the defeats that we encounter in our world the renewal of the earth, folks, believe it or not, it has begun. And it has begun with the greatest of God's creation, that's humanity. He says that when we come to Him, when we are born of water and the Spirit, in Second Corinthians 5, verse 17, He says we become new creations. We become something living out of what seemed to be dead in humanity and our sinfulness. Where death, it seemed, was has won. In Jesus, it lost. The process has started, but it's not completed. There will be a finalization when Jesus comes His second time. And there will be, as the Scriptures teach, there will be a renewal of the heavens and the earth. It is going to be unlike anything we can understand or know. We are in the season of expectation, which is our hope. Just as Jesus' first coming demanded preparation, so does our expectation of Jesus coming again, it demands preparation. And I want to just give you three things I want to leave with you today. One is simply this shift your focus. If all you do is focus on the negative and everything terrible that's going on in the world, you're never going to find that renewed hope, that living hope that is within us. We've got to see our circumstances through God's love rather than determining the love of God based on our circumstances. Read the scriptures. Read the promises of God. Let it renew your spirit and your life. The other thing is pray. I like what Max Lucado had to say about prayer. He says, our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Pray without ceasing. It has a way of helping us to regain that hope that is so important um, to us. And the other thing is simply this. Build support and accountability. You know, the Christian life, it's difficult enough than having to do it alone. Even Jesus did not minister by himself. He ministered in community. And he also left a community, a community of people that in our darkest time, in our worst of times, when other people are running out on us, in despair, that we have a community of people that we can continue to worship with and to love and to serve and to care for, and to help build their faith and hope as they continue to help build our faith and hope. Jesus didn't do it alone, and neither do we. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we come to you this day, and we thank you. For your grace and your goodness, Father, we thank you for sending your Son to come into our world. Father, I thank you for those who had such tremendous faith in the worst of times. Continue to believe that the Messiah would finally come into our world. And Father, may we in this day and time never take for granted that Jesus has come, and that we are in this in between as we are awaiting his second coming. How blessed are we, Father. Father, just build up those who may have come in this morning and they're just, they're, they just feel torn down. They feel like all life is in despair. Father, I pray for those who are not with us those who have chosen to go into the despair of the world. And Father, I just pray somehow, some way that we can reach them. Father, help us be prepared and ready. Help us to go out and to tell others the great news of your Son who has come and lived and died and resurrected and is just waiting to come get us where there will be no more despair and hopelessness. Father, we thank you once again, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.